You're listening to the Beauty Business Podcast, now with over 200,000 downloads worldwide. This is the podcast for you if you're an independent beauty salon, skin clinic, spa owner or manager. I want to help you reach your business goals through simple, practical and focused business information and advice. We deal with the foundations of starting and also growing not only an incredibly profitable, rewarding and stable beauty or wellness business, but also a stress-free one too. In short, I'm here to help you make more money, have more time and get back to simply what it is you enjoy doing and why you set out on this journey rather than worrying about all that businessy stuff and not getting the results you want. And who am I? Well, my name is Adam Chatterley and I'm your host here on the show. Now let's get into today's episode. Hey there, how are you today? Welcome to episode 53 of the Beauty Business Podcast. Now, I don't know if you spotted that there in the new subtle intro, but we recently hit a target I've been aiming for for a while now. Just last week, we hit 200,000 downloads of the podcast, which is amazing. But possibly even better than that is what seems to happen when a business or a movement, or in my case, a podcast, you know, when you start to get traction, things really, really start heating up. You see, 80% of that 200,000 listens or around 160,000 of it figure happened in just the last year. And that's despite the podcast being just a little bit over three years old. So if you're just starting out in your salon or spa business journey and things seem hard now, you feel like you're having to fight for every single client, for every booking, for every treatment, just know that if you stick with it, if you stick with what you love doing, stick with doing excellent work, then the word really does get out. And sooner or later, you won't believe how fast you will grow. It's not linear. It doesn't go in a straight line and it's not always going to be like it is right now. Anyway, when that counter tipped over from 199,999 to 200,000 listens, I decided to take a look at some of the more random stats that were available to me. Come on, you're not surprised. This is me we're talking about and you know how I like to get into the raw data. Well, you see, I can see roughly where in the world people are listening to the podcast and approximately how many listens each country is getting. Now, unfortunately, the list maxes out at 50 countries, but just the fact that I've maxed out that list at 50 countries is just mind-blowing to me that people are listening all over the world. And if you asked me in a pub quiz style to actually name 50 countries, I'd probably struggle. So while the majority of listens do obviously come from the United States, from the UK, Australia, New Zealand, and Canada, as you'd expect, I thought I'd give a shout out to the beauty business owners in other countries that may not so often get a mention. So I'd like to give a very warm welcome to our listeners in the Czech Republic, Costa Rica, Romania, Republic of Korea, Indonesia, Ukraine, Singapore, Israel, Guam, Turkey, Cambodia, Portugal, Egypt, Japan, Poland, Latvia, Hong Kong, Brazil, Sweden, Jamaica, the Russian Federation, Puerto Rico, Thailand, Kenya, Kuwait, Switzerland, Oman, Netherlands, Trinidad and Tobago, Ecuador, the Philippines, Denmark, Malaysia, UAE, India, Mexico, Spain, France, Belgium, Norway, Nigeria, Germany, Italy, South Africa, and finally New Zealand, Ireland, Australia, the UK, and the United States. Okay, so enough of my self-indulgent self-congratulations about the number of podcast listens. And obviously, thank you to all of you who listen to the show regularly, who share it, who tell people about it. I really, really do appreciate it. And obviously, do feel free to share the podcast even further to help us reach the next download target of 500,000 listens. Boy, do I have an episode for you today, though. Now, I've said before, the one area of running a successful spa, salon or clinic business that I'm probably the least comfortable with advising on is to do with hiring, motivating and managing your team. I'm happy to advise, but I wouldn't say it was, you know, top of my list when it came to to knowledge. Now, because of this, whenever a topic comes up involving members of staff, sorry, members of your team that you manage, I like to find someone who really does know what they're talking about. And today... Well, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that I've excelled myself. You see, the one thing that I've noticed coming up again and again, both in discussions with my commercial clients as well as with my independent clients and just colleagues in general, is the subject of finding, hiring and keeping and generally working with people in a team, particularly when this comes to the younger end of the workforce, which our industry naturally attracts. Now, not wanting to make myself sound old, but comments like young people these days, they want everything handed to them or they just don't want to work or you just can't motivate them are really fairly commonplace these days. Now, please don't be offended. I am generalizing here for effect, obviously, but 
I bet everyone, whether you are an employer of people or a young person working for someone, I bet you've heard, I bet you've heard said or experienced something along these lines. Now, well, this is something that has really intrigued me. And when I came across today's guest recently at an event, I knew I had to get her on the show to share her insights, to share her knowledge, and just her kind of light bulb moment style Jedi wisdom with you around this topic. So today's guest on the show is Frankie Johnson, and she is a Generation Z specialist. I'm going to let her explain exactly what that means in just a second. But needless to say, if you are an employer of young people in the industry, or you plan to become an employer of young people soon, or you are a young employee yourself, and you've had challenges with working together, not feeling like you understand each other, possibly to the point of frustration, or even losing great staff, then you have to spend the next 30 minutes listening to what Frankie has to say. So rather than me trying to explain, here's my conversation with Frankie where everything will become clear, I promise you. Okay, welcome to the show, Frankie Johnson. Thank you so much for having me. No, it's an absolute, absolute pleasure. So I've known about Frankie for a little bit. A few people have kind of mentioned her to me, but we first met at an event a few weeks ago at the very beautiful Rudding Park with my kind of other hat on as as chair of the UK Spa Association. Um, and just to kind of give you some some background on one of these events, there's, we, we kind of hold them in there's two rooms. One of the rooms has kind of got the the supplier showcase in there and it's for networking and, and it's where the food is and everything like that. And people stand around and chat. And then we always have... Uh, a couple of speakers in another room that's sort of off to one side so that there's kind of something for everyone sort of thing. Frankie was speaking at this event and I've never ever seen this happen. I promise you, we announced Frankie was talking, we'd obviously publicized it and everything. Every single person left the networking room and packed out Frankie's talking room. We were literally dragging in chairs. It was standing room only at the sides and I've never seen that happen. So when I saw that, I was like, we've got to get Frankie on the show. This is going to be amazing. So um, so thank you very much for being here today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. That event was so much fun. I really enjoyed it. It was great. It was great. So I'm probably going to mess up trying to attempt exactly what it is you do. So I'm not even going to try. Um, but to give, every, <laughs> give everyone a bit of background, Frankie, could you... Could you tell us a bit more about your journey, how you got there, and, and really what it is that you do now? Yeah, absolutely. So I started studying um, employee engagement in university, really engaged with the concept of employee engagement. It was just the thing that came so obvious to me. And for my dissertation, I decided to write about engaging millennials. And I soon found out that millennials aren't the fresh meat of the workforce anymore. And in fact, that's Generation Z. And we have this huge misperception in society that anybody under 30 must be a millennial or anybody born around the 2000s must be a millennial. And that's just not true because anybody under 24, 25, Generation Z, and they've been shaped completely differently by a completely different set of influences that have shaped a completely different set of expectations. And the more I delved into this research, the more I found the barriers between Generation Z expectations and current workplace practice. Um, so over the last few years, I've just broadened that research and now I deliver presentations and workshops and consultations on, you know, really being the generational translator, <laughs> helping uh, uh, generations understand each other and how we've all been shaped and how to achieve the potential out of us, each generation. Love it. That's amazing. And that's, that's why we've got you on the show because there's there's still so many, I hear it all the time, more than anything else, you know, these, these comments about sort of, I mean, it makes me feel old, but, you know, the youth of today and um, kids these days want everything handed to them and, and stuff like that. And, and I, we're going to get into this in a little bit. You've got a very, very different interpretation on this. But um, just quickly going back to the event that we were both at, the, the, the title of your presentation that day, I believe, was How to Successfully Engage Generation Z without having to make space for pool tables and candy machines. And I love, love that title. Can, can you tell us a bit more about where that title came from? Yeah, absolutely. So I get people popping up on LinkedIn all the time and it's always, Frankie, how do I retain my younger generations? Do I need to put a pool table in? Um, and I say, you know, if you want to, um, it might make the lunchtime more social area. It, it might create some sense of community in a, in a shared area, but it's not going to be the thing that retains 
at the younger generations, I think they automatically think of the Google offices and that type of environment. And, you know, that's awesome. If you can deliver that, then that's, of course, that's an engaging aspect of it. But really, it's much more about the leadership side of things and being engaged in that brand experience and in that company culture and people uh, just sort of jumping on the tangibles at the moment, the pool tables, the yeah. candy machines. <laughs> yeah. Slides. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, you know, like I say, the barriers are so huge and the misunderstanding between both is is crazy. <laughs> got it. Got it. So so let's get down to business then. So you come from a point of view um, that differs from, like I said, I guess what, what we tend to hear more of these days that, you know, young people aren't interested, they want everything handed to them. You very much believe that Generation Z are actually full of potential but in order to access to to really release this potential then we actually have to engage them in the right way is that right yeah absolutely generation z have grown up in a world with facebook and amazon and all the big players saying such high benchmarks for businesses that they do have higher expectations and being shaped by technology and social media being nurtured nurtured with all these natural um, abilities since they were so young they have power to earn influence they understand how different technologies work they want fast equipment you know all these um, events that have shaped them technology social media the sharing economy um, education accessibility all these things that have shaped them to know more about the the digital side of the world that we're living in. But because the older generations haven't necessarily always adopted that, we end up living in a world going backwards and we end up putting Generation Z who have been nurtured with all these innate abilities for 20 years in workplaces that are implementing systems and technologies and leadership models that beyond 30 years old, you know, before they were even born. So yeah they um have heightened expectations but i think we just see them as self-entitled and snowflakes and distracted and actually they're not antisocial; they're just digitally social right i think that that's one of the keys there so so who are i mean you mentioned it a second ago there the, the different generations this is where i i really get confused so who are generation z <laughs> Generation Z are anyone born between 1995 and 2010. So they are the true digital natives of our society, really. I think it's no coincidence that so social media channels, the mainstream channels, were sort of went mainstream around 2007. And this would put anybody born 1995, the youngest of Generation Z, at 12 years old. And that's the beginning of the critical cognitive development stage. And I think that's no coincidence that that is something that has majorly separated millennials and generation z people think millennials are digital natives but they're not really they kind of just got caught in between the two um and they had ba often had baby boomer parents who were very strict and it didn't always work they, they clashed a bit um but with generation z they are the true digital natives and i think they will stand up and they will challenge things and they will want to immerse businesses into this digital world and if they don't follow they will leave yeah yeah but it's it's not just social media that they've had it's not ju that's not just the only influencer there's you you talked about the was it four or five or six key influencers six, six key influencers yeah. what, what were those kind of things so we have technological advances social media education accessibility the sharing economy um the economic recession, and ah, whenever anybody asks me to do these six off the top of my head, I can only ever think of five. Um, technological advances, social media, economic recession, sharing economy, education accessibility. Ah, you've lost me on the on the sixth one. <laughs> I've got the notes here from your talk. 9-11. <laughs> you oh, of course, the rise of terrorism. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. So I think we know, there's, there's definitely there's that five of those there. I think we all know what we're talking about there, but. Can you tell us a bit more about the sharing economy? Because I don't necessarily think that's something that most people are really aware of. Yeah, absolutely. So the sharing economy is companies like Uber, Airbnb, Deliveroo, all these companies that 
share um, assets within a community. And this is what Generation Z believe. They believe in pouring money into communities and assets more than um, big corporate machines. So when they go to a, a country, it's likely that they're more inclined to be immersed in the culture of the company uh, country than in a sat in a Hilton or, or a, 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 a where you a, you could be anywhere in the world, you know. And if, I think the sharing economy has made them so much more resourceful and believe in yeah sharing their assets in a way that makes the world the world go round that it, that we share. Yeah, I think that's a really important thing. When when I heard you talk about that. I, that really kind of was a bit of a light bulb moment for me when I was listening to your talk because it suddenly made me realize these these old kind of incentives that I think we all think of as employees of basically pay and conditions don't necessarily apply as much to Generation Z because they're not about just more money. No, definitely not. And this is a really, really interesting question because Generation Z have grown up with the economic recession and they have watched their parents suffer the 2008 banking collapse. They watched their parents lose houses and businesses overnight. And and for those reasons, pay and salary is very, very important to them. However, because of social media showing them that or getting them to tap into this idea of living your best life and all these different ideas of success the um challenge that we're going to face is that are they going to stay in the job role because of paying salary or are they going to get stuck in that job role because actually they want to go out and fulfill themselves and I would always choose fulfillment but I understand that job stability is important and I think this is going to be an anxious battle for them in a job do I stay for job stability because I know how important that is to me but or do I you know go out and fulfill my life because I also know that I've got one life to live um, and I think the important thing is with paying salary make sure you know you're always valuing your staff make sure they always feel valued but I really think if you have the company culture and you have the engagement and you know they really want to be a part of your company paying salary really won't matter that much as long as they are stable got it awesome so we're obviously in the in the beauty industry the spa world hospitality why is this potentially more important for our industry to understand and embrace than other industries out there? Well, I studied events and hospitality management at university. So I guess a level of my expertise goes a, a bit deeper with the hospitality industry anyway. But I think it's so important for ho hospitality, spa, beauty, retail, anywhere like that, where it's clusters or its low perception of um, antisocial hours, poor pay, grueling tasks. And we have seen, you know, a, a large percentage of the hospitality beauty spa industry is European workers. And with Brexit creeping up on us, a lot of the European European workers are are leaving, going back to their countries. And we don't necessarily have a great English culture um, for people to get into these jobs. However, these industries, hospitality, spa, beauty, retail, are the industries where we could best reflect the customer experience onto the employee. So I think there's so much potential in these industries. And I think that Generation Z know what to do with these industries or know how to grow these industries, grow themselves within these industries. But the leadership doesn't necessarily understand how this can be maximized, how to use their potential. And Therefore, it's not, and we leave them to get on with the antisocial hours and the grueling tasks and the low pay and everything else when it could be such an opportunistic sector. Absolutely. So, the, I mean, the real key here is that it's actually a mind shift change needed from the older generations, from the employment side, mm. than anything else. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, let's say, for example, you don't have um, slides all over your offices and the money that Google has to, to to offer these kind of things. What are some kind of practical things that, you know, the average small business can think about and do, embrace to try move towards engaging Generation Z more? Yeah, absolutely. So I'd be thinking about your company culture. It's going to be all about organizational 
culture why is your company does why does your company exist what is the purpose of your company is this filtered down through leadership through um your crew at the bottom to engage them in that purpose of the organization you know a lot of organizations out there the owner and the leaders don't know what their purpose is they may have some visions and missions written down on a piece of paper but they're not necessarily translated or understood so i think when you haven't got tons of money it's so important to focus on that building that organizational culture why do you want why um why would you not want to be a part of my company is um what we're trying to achieve you know so on the job attraction something i've noticed in the hospitality industry on our job attractions we show nothing that invites them into our company so we're saying you know you need to be able to deliver excellent five-star service um you need to be able to do x y and z but when we're going into a job we or hospitality job we know the the implications of the role what we're looking for is we provide you with a five-star service so that you can go above and beyond for our clients and this is how we do that we've got a strong organizational culture you know we do team bonding events but every Generation Z is so unique. They have such uniquely shaped personalities. And yes, when I talk about Generation Z, I sort of talk about the six key elements that the whole world has shared. But they are so unique and personalized that I would encourage every leader to find out what your workforce is made of. Because, you know, you might not need, it might not be necessary some of the uh, strategies that I um, advise. But you need to find out what your workforce is made of because there might be somebody there who, you know, they live five minutes down the road. It's convenient for them. That's absolutely fine. There might be somebody there who says, I want to be where you be, where you are, sorry. And that's where we start to create a five, 10 year career plan for them and, you know, work more personalized. And if you can do that, if you can just listen and understand what your, your employee wants, then you're halfway there just implement it yeah i get that and i think as soon as you start talking about culture and things like that certain very small business owners can kind of switch off and think well this is only really for big organizations with huge workforces and and things like that you know and that's not the case at all is it you know culture is is it's probably something that is more and more becoming closer to what's talked about now as your your brand personality for for the smaller businesses is that right oh yeah absolutely um Culture is everywhere, you know, even in small businesses, large businesses, I would say it's actually so much harder in a large business to um, create the culture because you have so many different unique personalities that have to fit into that culture. In a small SME, that can literally feel like family, a a really tight-knit family culture, and, you know, that can be invaluable to um, retention. So culture is something that could be stronger, actually, in the the smaller organizations for sure. And Generation Z have, they've, I mean, I've had my Instagram account since I was 12, 13 years old. They are used to being personally branded, you know, and they don't even realize it. When they take a selfie, for example, to put on Instagram, they go, oh gosh, no, I wouldn't put that picture on. But that is, that is branding their worth. Yeah. So they have naturally, yeah, self-branded themselves and um, personal personal brand for forever. And then we get to a company and a company doesn't have a personal brand. And we're like, who is this person? Who is this company? What what do they exist for? What's their, you know, what are they about? What's their brand? And that's the key thing. We they we think we don't understand them, but they equally don't understand us because we don't understand them. So it's it's is it is this vicious kind of not really vicious circle, but this thing just butting up against each other. Yeah, absolutely. And that's exactly why I said I've, I've kind of found myself in this role of generational translator <laughs> because I'll say, you know, no, she does. She's not offended. She's just challenging this because of this. And I can say, you know, you have to understand that your boss might be, um, their, his parents might have been through sol- you know, soldiers of war. <laughs> He's very, you know, loyal, hardworking. And I'm not saying you're not loyal, hardworking, but we have just been shaped so differently to have different expectations. And 
I think when we say the younger generations are self-entitled, I think they are a little bit more self-entitled to fulfilling a life of their own. You know, um, why this is a very controversial statement, but why should we go to work and grow somebody else's worth? Why shouldn't we be encouraged to grow our own worth? And if we are in somebody else's company, then we should be aligned with the purpose of that company so that we're achieving something that we're passionate about. So that's, that's, and that's a great place to start. So, so first of all, if, when you're looking at hiring someone, talk more about what you're offering them, why they should work for you rather than asking what you're looking for, get them involved from that point and then, and then deliver on that. So that's kind of step number one. Now you also talked a bit about, um, how training is best delivered to generation Z. Can you talk a bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. So in the past, we've seen long drawn out training programs over one, two days or whatever. <laughs> yeah, seven day induction uh, programs. Seven day induction <laughs> programs. Yep. And Generation Z might have switched off in the first eight seconds of that seven-day induction <laughs> program because they have an on-average eight-second attention span. So what researchers are finding is that young generation sort of, you have to engage them in the first eight seconds of the video for them to continue watching that and then keep the video under a minute, really, or that you start to lose your audience after a minute. So what this tells us about training and how we align um, training is that generations that are not going to sit through long inductions and take the information in. And the technology that we have now enables us to ha put things online and resources, online training resources, that Generation Z can... Um, accessing short burst training programs. So what we need to deliver is a more just-in-time and personalized approach to training with short burst training videos ideally because with people take or we're finding Generation Z take much more in from videos than textbook um, or presentation learning. So what I think with Generation Z is they're very, very resourceful. They've grown up with YouTube their whole life and having access to the internet and Google, they can just go and find the answer to a challenge in time, you know, as they need it. So what we're finding with Generation Z, if you clarify a goal and then leave them with a flexible route to get there, but then be available as they come to challenges. And you might say, well, I'm not always going to be available when they hit a challenge. But if you have a portfolio of resources online where they can type in a keyword and they can find a two to five minute video about overcoming that challenge, then that's going to be much more uh, beneficial and engaging to them because if they want to overcome a challenge they want to overcome that challenge now and if you're not around for another few hours or another few days or something that could be really unproductive time for them because they're waiting to overcome that challenge yeah no i get that and I, again i can hear people sort of thinking wow we don't have the we don't have the money and the budgets and the time to be putting together video training sessions but bringing this back to just the you know the probably the core of my audience the the spa the the beauty salon world you know if you wanted to train someone how you do a particular massage you've got a phone video yourself doing it once and then it's available forever for all your employees to to watch and see it that way it can be as simple as that can't it Oh, absolutely. And, you know, we don't have enough money is a whole load of rubbish really now because it's completely free to jump on your phone and do a video. And we have apps like Workplace by Facebook, which would be really beneficial to uh, anybody in the spa and beauty sector. I mean, any industry, because the leader or, you know, anybody with anything to say or training can jump on that in the morning and, and do that live. They can record it. They can put it on YouTube, they can have that to access, yes. And we don't have to go around sitting down with every single person. We can just do it once and distribute it to our whole employee base. Yeah, even if that comes down to the, the morning team meeting. You know, you could do the morning team meeting over workplace, over Skype. People don't have to be in half an hour early. They can travel a bit later. All these different, they can actually be genuine benefits to the business rather than seeing them as a oh, hassle or I've got to do this, or I've got to learn this new thing. So, so there really is this kind of, the, the, it's really weird since seeing your talk, the more I've thought about these things, the more I've kind of shifted my own mindset to actually, well, actually, if you embrace these things, it makes your own life easier. 
Oh yeah. So <laughs> it's called <yeah>. life hacking. Yeah. <laughs> so okay, so there's another thing that you talked about as well, which which is something that I've kind of accidentally, I think, tried to get more into without really understanding that it was a thing, is gamification. Oh, yeah. So gamification is the concept that the more an interface feels like a game, the more likely the user is to interact with it. And gamification has become uh, huge because we've seen Generation Z on apps and Xboxes and everything during their younger years is gamified, you know, even down to Snapchat now. And when this translates to the workplace, it means that whether they gamification is going to be a very valuable engagement strategy um, to motivate them. So I know Leon Restaurants, for example, they held a competition over six weeks to um, achieve the highest sales in specific dishes. And the winner won a case of Prosecco in which Leon already stopped. So it's just about being inventive, being creative. You can, you know, if you allow the flexibility and freedom for your team to create their own gamified experiences, um, then they might do that themselves. You can help them, you can guide them, you can create competitions for them. I've specifically been thinking about this in the hospitality sector because I've been thinking, well, how do we get people who don't want to do these grueling tasks to do these grueling tasks? And I've been thinking, well, maybe we we held competitions, you know, it's 600 points to to clean the windows or 200 points to clean the tables up and people will be running to do these jobs when they realize that they're for points and that points get you maybe a free meal in the um for your family in the restaurant or a free overnight stay or even a bottle of wine it doesn't have to cost the world it's just about being inventive about how we get these people to go above and beyond for us yeah and i love that and another thing i think as well is involvement in the reward because Again, I think there's this mindset of we think everything's got to come down to money, everything's got to come down to the the things that traditionally would be uh, a, a reward. So like you say, money, a night away, something like that. But you mentioned just there, actually, a really interesting one, a, a meal for the family. So not a meal for just the individual or something like that, but a meal for the family. You know, that's kind of, again, comes down to that sharing mentality, really, doesn't it? Yeah, and what a perk, you know. How many people do that? And even if it is you know, a voucher for you and a friend or you and your family, that's bringing your family culture into the business, creating connected family cultures over pockets of connected communities how this whole world is working now. Um, and that's that's a beautiful thing to take advantage of. And if it's not really costing you anything, then why not use it as a perk? Brilliant. So we've mentioned about um, involving the member of staff, team member um, in the culture of the business. So how important is it to then involve members of the team in other decisions, things moving forward, um, what's happening with the business, that kind of thing? I think it's always beneficial. However, it's going to completely depend on your organization. If you have a small team, that might be a lot easier. If you have a larger team, then you could just end up having meetings about meetings. I think um, what is a, a good place to start with this is figure out who your retained staff are and what makes them retained. What kind of people are they? Um, have we got a leadership team in-house that we might not necessarily know about that are the um, yeah the leaders that's going to hold this pack together and maybe they are the people that come together in that meeting to make business decisions but then it needs to be communicated all the way down um through yeah now that 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 leadership team that you talk about there now that that typically i think we presume that that's the business owner but is that always the case no, not necessarily. And I think that business leaders should be tapping into different roles of leadership within that team. Um, you know, we have Generation Z who are great with technology. So, and they also like multiple roles and extra responsibilities within a career. So, giving them responsibilities such as, right, this is the tech ninja. We'll call him the tech ninja, you know, and this is who you go to if you have any tech problems. And then this person feels this extra level of responsibility. This person is in charge of, culture and this person is in charge of brand ambassadors and social media so we have we're picking the experience from all the different generations and creating this leadership team that 
is a really strong multi-generational workforce. This is what I loved it. And this is, again, other light bulb moment that I had. And I suddenly realized, do you know what? In a, even in a small team within a, a beauty salon or a spa, you know, you're going to have these team members who have a natural affinity to something. You know, you're going to have that person who just gets Instagram and, and you know, ha- has put seemingly no effort in and has got thousands of followers, you know, make them your social media person engage them to do that for you you know embrace those talents you're going to have someone who just seemingly sells retail product without even trying make them their your team's go-to person on um selling retail and and like you say empower those members of staff give them that extra responsibility because uh, and, and i know i'm suddenly answering this question for myself but um i think a big thing that i've always felt is is an issue for younger generations is it's it's almost constantly in the news that you know younger generations are going to have seven ten twelve different careers in their lifetime or, or whatever it is that that we're told so i think we can then and i've maybe done this myself i've then presumed well who's going to want to work who's going to want to invest in a member of staff because well they're going to be here for two years and then they're going to go off and, and want to do a whole different career but that's not necessarily the case because what you're talking about there is if they've got different roles within the same job within the same organization there's a reason for them to move on yeah, and this goes back to what I was saying before about understanding the individual, um, the individual's career path and what they want from the job. Because somebody might be sat there wanting a ten-year career path that you have no idea about, and then they will leave after two years if you have not invested your time, effort, maybe a little bit of money into growing that person somebody else might be there because it's convenient it's five minutes down the road that's how they're going to be retained because it's convenient for them and that's absolutely fine but we need to yeah figure out what what they're made of individually and figure out what that person needs to be retained otherwise they are going to leave after two years because the grass is always greener and social media has taught us that the grass is always greener which it might not necessarily be and I think what's going to happen is they will jump from job to job to job because they're not engaging them. And eventually many of them will set up their own businesses because they've they've got that young entrepreneurial spirit. They've seen that you can grow a, a business from absolutely nothing now. And as soon as they find that companies aren't engaging them, they'll they'll go and spread their own wings. So what how do you recommend that you do kind of find out that thing that makes individuals tick these days? Listen. Just listen to them, ask them questions. What do you want from this job? What do you want from life? What's your, how do you want to contribute to the world? You know, ask them big questions that, um, that will give you a sense of who this person is within your organization. And is that again, does, does the attention span thing come in there? You know, a big sort of once a year appraisals still the right way to go with that? Or again, oh, is it absolutely more... <laughs> not. <laughs> um, there's a really interesting, uh, analogy that came out of some research that I did and I asked a girl how often do you refresh your social media feed and she said every 15 minutes and then I asked her how often she gets a rep- appraisal at work and she said maybe once a year and then I asked her are you engaged at work and she said no and that you know I'm not saying that's the only reason why she's not engaged at work but it's certainly the start of how we align generational characteristics and one year rep- appraisals for somebody who is used to putting a both uh, reward and recognition within the first two hours is not going to work you know that's one huge difference between the di- digital and industrial mindset how often we get reward and recognition and especially you knowing hospitality industry spa beauty retail where um, they can be on their feet all day doing really grueling tasks and sometimes that extra you know thanks you're doing a really you're doing a great job just keep going that can boost somebody for an extra three hours or all day or whatever whatever you need to and if you're only holding annual appraisals that's gone it's out the window and it's ages ago they left six months ago (laughs) yeah exactly they've always they've already become anxious as to why you're not rewarding and recognizing this fantastic work they've done and yeah already left to go somewhere else because life's too short love it any other specific tips things that you see coming up uh regularly that can be adopted even by small operations yes um on average or and this kind of goes back to what you were saying a few minutes ago and you'll pick up um but on average it said our staff have uh 10 times more followers than 
leadership or company owners really? do. Yeah. And we don't tap into these silent sales forces. We leave them to sit there and do the bare minimum while we run around after our pool of customers. When actually, you know, if we try and engage our staff, um, that's a much smaller pool of people they will engage our customers for us, like Richard Branson says. But what I'm seeing a lot of at the moment, people are tapping into this idea of being brand ambassadors and they are telling their staff to be brand ambassadors. However, they are not following this up with brand guidelines. They are not following this up with um, ideas for content creation. And the person has no idea they then become a bit anxious what do we post out there they can then put something on that's not right and then get told you can't post that so the brand ambassador thing it can't you can't be told to be a brand ambassador it's like the saying um which i hate i pay you to care you can't pay somebody to care. You can pay somebody to do their job, but you can't pay them to care about their job. That has to be felt. It has to be nurtured. And that's exactly the same as a brand ambassador. It has to be guided. It has to be nurtured. You have to get that person to believe in what you're selling or what you're servicing for them to create content for you and they will go above and beyond and they will create content um especially if there's you know commissions and um perks out of out of the other end of it for them but it's a huge problem people are telling people to be brand ambassadors and wondering why it's not working and that's why it's not working because it's not nurtured over a period of time and what's the best way for an organization then to um to help people understand what the what the brand guidelines are again is that sort of videos, training, that kind of thing? Yeah, absolutely. However, your um, company best responds to that. I mean, I know the younger generations definitely respond to video better. Um, we, you can sit down, you can ask your your company, your staff, how they best engage, how they best want to understand. You can try different things. You can try different methods. Workplace by Facebook, again, it's a brilliant way because it's not like you need, it's always good to have a document for brand guidelines, but it doesn't, it can be so much less serious and much more fun. So you can post out, you know, hey guys, I've seen this advert or this uh, article today. This is how it relates to us. Or let's do some content about it. Or you could say, you could do a video, we've got this new product in, this is what the product does, all about the product. And now you can use this information to go and put this all over social media or we could you know what younger generations would love getting some sort of instagram masterclass in i found one online for 20 quid the other day it's not you don't have to spend thousands of pounds to get workshops in for instagram masterclasses but young generations will love that they get to take an instagram workshop so that they know how to take fantastic photos around your premises that they're putting on social media and it's such great ways to tap into outreach much larger outreach so it's about it's, it's almost about letting go a little bit you know stop being so serious let go a bit have some outlines but not you know don't come down on people if something isn't exactly right because i think yeah and and it's funny you say about these these um sort of smaller Instagram courses and things like that. I've actually got, um, I, I bought one for myself and tried to go through it and it did, it just didn't really click with me. So I had one of my team go through it, who is quite a lot younger than me. And, uh, and they just loved it. They're like, oh, it's amazing. I got loads of tips. I was like, where? And it's, it's, it's just, it's, sort of, it's like, they just got it so much more than I was. I think I was sat there still going, well, what, what is Instagram? Sort of the whole way through it as that, you know, they understand that innately and then they're just picking up all the little tips throughout. So that is a really, really great idea. So, so yeah, so kind of, Give them the skill. Well, give them the skills. Give them the freedom. Let go a little bit. You know, don't be so uptight if something isn't quite on brand. You know, it's maybe a re-education thing, but it's not a place to tell people off. Um, and that's that's a fantastic idea. I did not know that 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 stat about employees having ten times the uh, ten times the network size of uh, brand. How crazy is that? that is crazy. And you know, with the younger generations coming over, I think my sister's seventeen, and she has you know almost four thousand followers on Instagram. She's maybe got five pictures of herself. You know, it's nothing <laughs> yeah. that is. She's not selling anything, but she. It's just how these young people are connected over these pockets of connected communities and people aren't following business pages as much. They're following people. So you need to connect your people into your business so that 
people have, you know, a hundred almost fans of your business to follow rather than your business page, you'll get much more outreach. Love it. Anything else? Um, what have we talked about? We've talked about career and personal growth. We've talked about brand ambassadorship. Um, we've talked about social media, gamification. We've talked about we've talked about an awful lot. And um, we have. I think we. I think we've. I think we got there was there was. I think we went through the things that you've got on your presentation, which is awesome. Yeah, love it. Cool. So I think one thing that, and I think you ended this presentation with a slide here, and, and it sort of had kind of dawned on me before this, but you really clarified it in the end there. And the key was basically to to engage Generation Z. I think was to basically be more like them. Yeah, be more like Gen Z. Yeah, like I said before, the world is not going backwards; it's going forwards. This is our next generation, and yeah. technology and applications are only ever being invented to make things quicker and more efficient for us. And apps have been created, you know, that have changed the world overnight. But unfortunately, that doesn't change our mindset overnight. We still are stuck in the original way of doing things and don't believe things can be that easy. But they yeah. can. And we can have so much more fun. And these technology and these ex these applications allow us time for experience in our life. We no longer have to go and do these grueling tasks for 12 hours a day. We can have fun whilst we're doing that. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, just the podcast that hopefully people are listening to right now. Um, you know, this is this is something that only a few years ago you'd have had to go somewhere for like a period of time at a prearranged event to sit down, take time out of your business and and learn a lot of the stuff that we go through on here. And look, now you can just whip out your phone, stick your headphones in for half an hour at the beginning of the end of the day and and pick up this knowledge and, and hopefully run with it, do something, embrace it and, and change your business. Oh yeah, absolutely. And social media and podcasting and webinars and it's such a powerful powerful tool and you know since university I have completely had a social media detox and I watch things and listen to things all the time that motivate me inspire me educate me it's such a powerful tool just educate yourself in what you're interested in and you know grow your business and in a way that does embrace future generations and have fun with it yeah yeah that's that's a real key have fun with it live life yeah Enjoy live it. life that's what gen z want to do they see people living life all over social media and they want to do that themselves so yeah help them get there Love it. now you've got a, a number of live speaking gigs coming up i believe you're quite busy you've got uh, i think you've got what, tourism management institute later in may um, yeah, I've got that one in May. I have three in June over three days in London, which was great. That would be so much fun because I'll be running around London like crazy. <laughs> and I have quite a lot of friends in London now, which is awesome because I can just go and meet people, um, few around Blackpool and Lancashire speaking gigs, but I want to do more. So, you know, if you're listening and you have conference events, seminars, whatever, please uh, get in touch. I think there'll be a, there'll be a lot of people interested in speaking to you. Now, it, would it be right to say LinkedIn is probably your main social channel for people to follow you on? Yeah, I have a website going live next week, um, which will be embracechangetoday.co.uk. Um, but LinkedIn is where I am with my vlogs and my blogs and you can message me and it's where I'm really thriving at the moment, yeah. So that's Frankie Johnson on LinkedIn. I'll put all the, the links to your social channels and everything in the show notes of this episode, which if you're listening to on your phone, just click on the description thing and all the show notes are in there and you can just click on them and you can go and find out all the information. Not a lot of people know that. Um, Frankie, thank you so so much for being with us today i really really appreciate it thank you so much for having me it's been good fun yeah thank you and yeah if you do want to kind of get in touch with frankie for workshops or consultations or speaking gigs or, or anything like that do check out the show notes i'll put all of her contact information on there how was that if you're sat there a little bit stunned a little bit oh my goodness that's why things haven't been working I don't blame you. That is exactly what the room was like at the event where I met Frankie. Normally people, you know, after a talk, can't wait to get out of their seats after a speaker's wrapped things up. Not so the case here. People just kind of sat there 
stunned, trying to take everything in. It was amazing. Now, if you want to hear more from Frankie, and why on earth wouldn't you, then all her contact details and social links are available on the show notes page, which you can find at www.beautybusinesspodcast.com forward slash episode 53. And I happen to know that Frankie is launching her brand new website very soon, so do look out for that too. Now then, I said last week I was going to start sharing some of the iTunes reviews that you amazing listeners leave for me and have been doing so recently, and I will do that. But I also receive a number of wonderful, very heartwarming emails and messenger messages from spa and salon owners around the world that have really benefited from the podcast too. And I love them, so please do keep sending them to me. But occasionally I get one that really just stands out and I got one of these just yesterday as I was preparing to record this episode and I really want to share it with you because I bet many of you can see some of yourself in this message. Now the message was sent to me like I said via messenger um, and it was from Vicky Hayes and I think she's based in the UK somewhere around the the Derby area I believe. Now Vicky said, hi Adam, I simply can't thank you enough. I thought I knew how to run a business. I thought I was doing well, earning £700 per week. I thought I had enough clients. Then slowly some moved away. Some sadly died. Some had to cut back when the recession hit. So I started to look for jobs within the industry, of course, because this is my true love, but being employed rather than my preferred self-employed. I was low, the lowest I think I'd ever been. I'd been a business owner, a teacher at the local college and a salon manager, but the fact I didn't feel I could do it all by myself was probably the hardest thing I've ever had to face. I knew I had the productivity in me, but I couldn't see the right path because my head felt so cloudy. So I started to search for help on YouTube and Facebook and voila, I found you. Happy face. Somehow you gave me clarity, lots of information and a different perspective that I really needed. I've implemented many of your suggestions, changed my thought processes, started to think like a boss and I really appreciate my clients and I found my love for the business again and it's all down to you. Thank you so much. I'm now earning £1,600 plus per week and more importantly, I feel I have my purpose again, my positivity and new respect for the job. Thank you so much. You've made an awesome difference, not only to my business, but also to me. Thank you so much. Honestly, Vicky, that message brought a warmth to my heart and a tear to my eye. And I honestly, you know, this is exactly why I do what I do, why I show up every week on the podcast, why I create mildly amusing videos in the Facebook group, all to help people like you to get started out, to rediscover their passion and turn that desire and that passion into a business and a life that you love. So seriously, Vicky, the the real work was done by you. So absolutely well done to you, but I'm really, really glad I could help. Now, needless to say, I am putting that message on my Impact 365 page as soon as possible. But if I've helped you, if I've made a difference in your business in any way, please let me know about it. And likewise, if there's something that you're struggling with business-wise in your business, something that's causing you problems, making you lose heart, causing you sleepless nights, then please contact me. Chances are, if you're struggling, then someone else is too. And that's what the show here is all about. So that's me done for today. I hope, as always, you've not only enjoyed the show, but you've really learned something too. I'm not sure how you couldn't have gained some sort of insight from today. In fact, I think today's show might actually be one of those that's a two-time listen. But remember... You've got all the takeaways, all the notes and everything that you need are on the show notes pages at beautybusinesspodcast.com forward slash episode 53. Right. I'll be back again next week with another episode. And in the meantime, have an incredible week. Speak to you again soon.